The first question we ask everybody is, when you first got to the league, who's the first person to bust your ass? <laughs> man, that's a tough question, man. Um, you know, my pride would say nobody bust my ass, but <laughs> you know what? Honestly, I'm gonna be. You know, the first person to bust my ass was was probably Scottie Pippen, man. My first game was against the Bulls, '96. So you gotta imagine for me, I was a Bulls fan for the first three championships, loving them. And man, my first NBA real game is against the Chicago Bulls. So I'm just trying to figure out how to score in the league. This is my first game. I'm trying to play with the ball. No, off my leg. <laughs> right. <laughs> you get deflections. You, you know what I mean? You got to be aggressive with the ball. And then another thing, athletic ability. You right. know, they get into your shot. You got to, you know, you got to have a little trickery to it to get there. So all those little things play the part that made him tough for me. Pip was one of the best defenders out there. Yo, yo, live on location, everybody. Me and the blackest one here staying at home, staying safe and out of the way in Orlando, Florida. And today, yo, this is so super special and dope to the both of us. Y'all don't know how deep this go, man. We got our super OG, man. Our, one of the original Chi-Town killers, man. Represent a super, super duper big time college champion, NBA champion, and he need to be in the hoop hall in my book, and he definitely Chicago royalty when it comes to this thing. We got Walk Dog, Cybertron, employee number eight, Antoine Walker in the building, everybody. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Been waiting. Been a long time coming for me to be on your show, so I'm excited about it, baby. Let's get to it. Coming up in Chicago, Chicago got a lot of high schools and and a lot of high schools with a lot of deep history. You know what I'm saying? And what made you choose Mount Carmel out of all the other high schools you went to? You know, King was a powerhouse and all these other schools are powerhouse. What made you choose Mount Carmel? Man, that's a great question. A lot of people never ask me that. But for, for me, it was different. So, you know, when you came out, you know, you get ranked as the top you know, eighth grade in the in the city and all that. So I was considered one of the top. So back then you could play on high school teams in the spring league. It used to be spring and summer league. And, and so I played in the spring league with King. I wanted to go to King. King had the jackets. They had the, the Nikes, the dunks. Man, those jackets used to, them Letterman jackets, King had. <laughs> Straight up. All I cared about was getting one of them jackets. So it was crazy. So I'm like, man, I don't know if you, you know, you guys, well, you guys know Chicago history. So I played with King in the spring league. So it was Tunji Thurman at point guard, Michael Herman at the two. Ooh, I was at three. Ooh. Thomas Hamilton and Rashad Griffin was our starting five. Out of there. Out of there. I was at King. So I played with King in the springtime. And I think I might play with like Lim Bloom, a couple other schools just to get a little run. <laughs> but just honestly, get a little D, run. just to get a little run. But you know what? Honestly, D, I wanted to go to, um, I played baseball. A lot of people don't notice. I played baseball up until I was a freshman in high school. So Simeon was on the list too. Mm. Simeon had one of the best baseball programs and basketball. So I was thinking about going there. And I'm going to be honest with you, man. My mama stepped in and was like, look, <laughs> you ain't going to public school. So she was like, you ain't going to public school, man. You're talking about I cried like a baby, man, every day. I was like, I cannot believe I can't go to King or Simeon 
and she just wouldn't let me go, man. I, I couldn't, I couldn't get past. So I took my entrance exam at St. Rita. Wow. And I took it at St. Rita. And then all of a sudden I changed my mind because Mount Carmel was an easier way for me to get to school. I could go down the Boulevard, 55th, 53rd. And you know, we still had to deal with gangs and all that. So I had to figure out how I was gonna get to school every day. Actual, <laughs> factual. So Mount Carmel, Mike Curter, who's my head coach, who's one of my best friends as well, he picked me up to school every day. I met him on 55th every day. I had to be there at like 7.05 and he took me to school every day. Once they agreed to do that, and pay half that tuition. I was on my way back. Hey, <laughs> so, hey. tuition. So it's crazy. It's not. It's not like a big story behind it. I cried to go to public school. I wanted to go to King, but my mother wouldn't let me go. Man, she made me go to Catholic school. But you know, I went to visitation too, which was you know a Catholic school, grammar school. So she just was big on you know not putting me in the, in the public school. I, I mean, I thank her to this day for it. But I really wanted to go to public school, man. But I cried. But you know, King had and they had the jackets, the gym shoes. You know how hard it was not to go to King. And then on top of that, it was all boys at Mount Carmel, all boys school. Man, I almost you know, lost. I, you know, I spent that one year, at Brother Rice, when you when you was a senior, and I had I dealt with the same thing. So you know, I I, I relate. I got a, I got up out of there though. I got up out of there. Yeah. So I mean, but it was good though. I, I you know I thank my mom to this day for that because it was the best thing for me, man, with all the gangs and violence. And we made Mount Carmel a little small powerhouse, so it was good. Last year, I had the opportunity to uh, just go and pay my respects to uh, Mr. McIrvin last uh -huh. year at the funeral and all that stuff. And man, I just remember just the impact that McIrvin had on Chicago, on Illinois, and so forth. I remember he used to tell me all the time, they used to tell me all the time, like, man, we don't know how Butler found you in Illinois like because we would have really went after you and just Mac Irvin was just always just just a part of the culture of basketball and it's gonna always be the part of the culture of basketball for for hundreds and hundreds of years but just tell me how the Mac Irvin family like from high school and on just was a part of your life and how they supported you through everything from Miss Irvin to Mr. Irvin to all the kids, the family, just and this program. Just tell me how they uh just was a part of your life and how you probably wouldn't be here without the Mac Irvin. Oh um that's the second family. You you hit all those things on the head. I think for me first personally, um it started at the age eleven. I met Mr. Irvin at eleven. Obviously through Mike, me and Mike became friends, young kids playing baseball and basketball. We moved around a lot um, when I was growing up, and we actually moved to the hundreds. Mr. Irvin, them, everybody know the legendary house, you know what I mean? Mr. Irvin, them was on 111th, I mean 109th and Parnell. Yeah. It was like 109th, I think, right yeah. in between them and Parnell. Same so street as me. Same yeah. street. I'm on 115th. They down the street. Yeah, so... And me and Mike became really good friends, so I started spending a lot of time at Irvin's house, just casual, just kids being kids, video games, kicking it. And then obviously through high school, me and Mike built a really strong relationship. And Mr. Irvin became a father figure for me. I played for Irvin Bryant in, in the beginning, and then Mr. Irvin started his programs. We had the connection with Sonny Vaccaro. They was an Adidas program. And the relationship just kind of took off there. But it was actually how he really, really said, how he started my career. I was always ranked in the you know, top 100. But my junior year, the AAU program system changed where you didn't go play 
they didn't have where you can go play with different states. You had to play with your own state. I would, I would say camp. I'm sorry. It's ABCD camp. Not even AAU basketball. It's ABCD camp. So Mr. Irvin picked the 10 kids to go. So he picked the 10 kids. Obviously, I was one of the 10 kids. And I don't know if you guys remember this guy. The guy played at Julian was a point guard, O.J. McDuffie. Oh, yeah. I remember the juice, man. Yeah. So O.J. gets hurt the first day of camp. And I swear to God, Mr. Irvin was like, man, threw the ball at me. He was like, you my point guard. Now, y'all got to understand, I'm 6'8". You know what I'm saying? I can handle it, you know what I mean? But he was like, you my point guard. And once he put me at point guard for the next four days, man, I tore the camp up. I'm talking about triple doubles. I'm doing everything at camp. And my stock went from top 50 to top five in the country. You know, and at that time it was Felipe Lopez, Gerard Ward, Willie Mitchell. Um, who else was in that class? Stephon Marbury. All those guys was in there. So I didn't jump the defense on everybody. I didn't have a monster camp. And that was the start of it, man. Just the fact that he believed in me, that I could play point guard. You know, at that time, it wasn't a lot of big guys handling the ball. And I played pure point. Like, it wasn't like, oh, point forward. I'm like out there orchestrating it, handling it, doing it. This took my, my play to a whole nother level and confidence level. And I just got started getting recruited by everybody in the country. So that that's, that was going into that's the summer going into your senior year. So my senior year, yeah. So I'm, I, every team in the country started recruiting me. Now I left that summer, man. It was amazing. I had ten home visits. I did five official visits. You gotta it, take it all your visits. Home. You gotta take all your official visits. You gotta go and see what they well, gonna you gotta, do with you. <laughs> you know, I gotta take my official visits. You know, I gotta see what the I gotta see what the guys on the team gonna do for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta have a little fun. Now I'm in college, everything is good. So it's time for me. Uh, we win a national championship. And this is how close me and Mr. Irvin is. We win a national championship. And I'm I'm kind of in limbo. Um, I'm hearing rumblings that I could be in the first round lottery pick. But I'm thinking about coming back my next year. They're saying me, Tim Duncan, Keith Van Horn are gonna be the top three picks the following year, my junior year. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I just one day, you know how you see guys, I ain't gonna lie, Tony Delk. And Walter McCarty came on campus. They were seniors. They came on campus with Range Rovers. I'm like, what? They got Range Rovers. They, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, man, I got to get to the league. I'm looking at these boys on campus. So I call, I call Mike. I say, Mike, man, let me talk to your dad. Call Mr. Irvin and was like, Mr. Irvin, I think about coming out. And he was like, hold up. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Let's, let's, let's do the research. So Mr. Irvin called Sonny Vaccaro. Sonny did his due diligence. Called me back in 48 hours, like, man, you a lottery pick. And I was like, what? And then I talked to Mr. Irvin again. I said, man, you think I should come out? Can you help me talk to my mom? And he helped me talk to my mom and was like, man, we're going to come out. I came out, ended up being the sixth pick in the draft. You know what I mean? And then after that, it was been, it's been history. Obviously, AU programs, I've been connected to it. Whatever Mr. Irvin is needed, I've always been there. Mike lived with me my first six years, so y'all know how close me and Mike are. My first six years in the league, Mike lived with me. Um, obviously, very close to Nick and Cindy. I mean, the whole family as a whole. They, I consider them my second family. It, uh, you know, last year was tough on all of us. Losing the mom, Louise, is, 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 is always tough because, you know, she's been the rock. She's the one I dealt with with the business part, with all the, the AU stuff. Just the one you deal with and, and make sure everybody's good. So I still, to this day, we're we all very close. Um, Mr. Irvin is somebody that is very special to me. I had the great honor to speak at his funeral. So he's the bad, he's the, he is the, the basketball guru 
uh, of Chicago. I mean, he's the guy. And y'all know this, and you guys have been a part of this. I mean, think how many kids have came his way that he's helped out, giving shoes. To, if you need a pair of shoes, where, you, where were you going? If you needed a sweatsuit, where were you going? If you needed a gym bag, he was going to Mr. Irvin. And, and that's something that I, was, I, I always remember. I'm glad they finally, you know, start people are starting to acknowledge what he did for the city of Chicago. Yeah, yeah we absolutely. uh you know we you know we part of the, the the Illinois history and man like even though we didn't play with the Irvins like it they was always there. You know what I'm saying? Always there even though it was Nike, Adidas, like they was always there and I always respected the family. That Irvin name, you know what I'm saying? It was always going to be respected. Yeah, and for me you remember once upon a time early on the Irvins and Butler were together. So you know what I'm saying? I actually yeah. played with play with Nick. And I also so from that standpoint, yeah, that was when we was early on, we were with Adidas. I done been down in the basement to get kicks and how you know <laughs> yeah. where all of the shoes that come get you a gym bag, a sweatsuit and some kicks. So I definitely am one of those kids that know what you mean and that benefited from it. Like I say, Day House was like on the hundred and ninth and Parnell. I was on the hundred and fifteenth and Parnell, same street, straight shot down. Man, how you get past them, Larry Butler? Butler, Larry L, Butler. not LB, LB. I'm telling you, LB came and came, that was the he, you know, like Mac the Godfather and and and, and LB the whatever you want to call it. But he was he yeah. he held it down big. We got about we got about thirty pros from the program. So the Warriors, yeah. the Warriors was real heavy and strong. LB, if it wasn't for LB, me or Black wouldn't be here. Point blank, period. Okay. Oh, LB, my man, I love LB. I never played for him. It's the same way. It's vice versa. I never played with him, but I always had enough respect. I know he's one of the basketball gurus of Chicago too. Low key, he just kind of left the game early. I think I think I don't know y'all. Obviously, not better relationship. I think he couldn't handle all the fight back and forth for players. I yeah. think he got tired of it. Uh, yeah, that ain't that that get tiring. That yeah, take a, that take us that yeah. take so a. Yeah, it take a, a a man of a mindset to deal with all the, the shoe companies, the recruiting, the like everybody, and deal with these kids. It take a lot, and that can stress somebody out. That's why I have so much respect for Mr. Irvin, and not just Mr. Irvin. He brought his family into that. You know what I'm saying? His whole family was part of his program. It's, it wasn't just Nick, Mr. Nick Irvin. coaching in college now. Yeah, yeah look at it now. Shout Mike out to Nick. Nick, you know, Lance, Lance, Lance of Chicago. It's in the blood. It's in the stream. Could it have been anybody else than Kentucky? Like, did you almost go somewhere else and get took? Because I took a trip to Kentucky, and the shit I seen in Kentucky was like, shit, you <laughs> up on this. But, but, but you said, out of the whole trip, they told me they finna play Tayshaun. I got to play behind Tayshaun Prince, and that blew my whole trip. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But. Who's, no, the, who's uh, the other team that was, probably could have got you? I'm gonna be honest with you, and I, I wanted to go to Michigan, and I'm gonna tell you why though. But yeah, I remember my class. I came, I came right behind the five five. You know, Jawan, Chris Weber. I'm right behind them. The baggy shorts, the black shoes, the whole vibe was me. Steve Fisher still was the coach. Who's that? I like really tractor trailer, Mo 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 Taylor, and all those there. Mo Taylor signed that, yeah, so it was kind of the same guys going to the same position, you know what I'm saying, at that time. But it was Michigan. I, I actually, actually thought about Illinois was probably would be the second school. They still was coming off look, early 90s, but they was coming off the Kenny Battles, Kendall Gill. And you got to remember, Jimmy Clemens was the assistant coach. 
Now, you know, Jimmy, you know, Jimmy talked that language that we wanted to hear. So you had to entertain, you had to entertain Illinois. Those probably were the top three schools down the line, maybe a DePaul, because they was home. DePaul was, you know, DePaul was good back then when I came out. A really good program. And, but I thought about UNLV, too, on the low, Riley Massimino. And I'm going to tell you why I thought about them. It's crazy to now, and I always laugh, and I can't wait till I see him. It's Jay Wright. Jay Wright was the assistant. Mm-hmm. Ah. He had assistant. So, Jay Wright, man, I went, to, I went to Vegas. They picked me up, and I'm on campus driving the golf cart, man. I'm like, man, this is how college is. <laughs> golf cart. So, I'm like, man, this might be what college is. So, yeah, I went to um, those schools. But Michigan was the one because of what they had already started, man. And Jawan stayed to his junior year, too. You got to remember. Jalen left early, but see, Ray, Jack, Ray Jackson, Jimmy King, those guys are still, you know, there. So I really thought about, you know what I'm saying, going there and play. But then Kentucky, man, I ain't going to lie, Massburn was my favorite player, one of my favorite players. Massburn used to bust my ass in the league. But you got to think about Massburn. He was 6'8", 6'9", like us, he can handle it, crossover. He can shoot the three. He can shoot the three. I say, definitely could shoot that thing. And, it, and and the crazy part about it, and you got to think about this, look at what I did. I went there, and Coach P gave me the man number. I really got excited. You, you number 24, so it was a good – it was it was a one of those situations where I wanted to be there, and the style of play was, like, perfect for them. They shot the three. You know what I'm saying? They playing fast, so I was like, man, this this is where I want to be at. And that's really what made me pick Kentucky. Obviously, you know, Coach P was overwhelming with the conversation. He, you know, he going to never always entice you to do that. And then that 24,000, they play in front of all blue and white at <laughs> Rupp Arena. It's unbelievable. They had the Wildcat Lodge. Wildcat Lodge. When you went on your visit, too. When you went on your oh, visit. Oh, yeah. We right? saw it. You know, we seen it. Oh, yeah. You know, Nas, <laughs> Big Nas was there when I went on my joint. Hirisha right. Moo Evans was my host, and Nas was. Them, too. So, you know what I mean. That was the only place that you went to where the players stayed together. Like, out of all the colleges, you know, you ain't really see that. So, I was like, man, this this dope. Them all facilities, the period, was crazy. They was yep. crazy. Like, you going there, like, I remember when I was there, it was like a fight or something that weekend or something. We went to, like, the locker room to kick it and watch it there. Like, slushy machines <laughs> with Gatorade. I was like, man, what? They got big world. I was like, this is like league stuff, boy. Yeah. And you, hey, look, man, that was that was incredible. You you take a peek down there now, you might you gonna be like, man, something going on. <laughs> <laughs> they got them a hotel now. They got them a boot. They got a boutique hotel now. Mm, man, that's how sexy it is down there now. But yeah, that was hey. that was deep. But that was that's your question. That was the reason why I picked Kentucky, man. Over, you know, Michigan was the one school I wanted to go to because of what they had started, the culture and everything that they they had built up there. But then Kentucky just kind of fit me. And what I wanted to do basketball-wise, like I can come in. He told me, and then another thing, Coach was like, Mashburn going pro. He coming out. So you're going to have an opportunity to come in and get some minutes. And I was like, man, I got to, this is the perfect spot. And that's how I ended up in Kentucky. Tell me this, though. I, I know you. I can remember. I was about a freshman before you left. But I can remember you back then. You, was, you had confidence and you was cocky. How long before, like, when you got there as a freshman, how long did it take before you knew, like, okay, like, I'm one of the best players here, and, nah, this ain't, this, all right, I'm about to be cool out here. Two parts. The first part was, I would say, SEC tournament, my freshman year when I got MVP. You know, I went through the year, and, and people are said, so the beginning of the season, 
I thought it was going to be sweet. Y'all know the two exhibition games you play? I had, yeah, I had 20 both games. I'm like, this college, I'm, I'm one and done. I'm, you know, I'm like, this is Man, we play opening night. I play about eight minutes. I say, what? Man, Coach played me eight minutes. I couldn't believe it. So my first half of the season, I was only playing eight to 12 minutes a night. So I was I was already pissed about that. So I never forget, I went in at Christmas time. We get a break. I went in the office and talked to Coach. I said, man, this ain't what I expected. He told me, go home, think about what you're thinking about. He was like, um, but if you need to leave, you can go ahead and leave. There was no resistance. I was like, <laughs> my pride was hurt. Like my whole look, my whole You thought you were gonna be trying to coddle you and convince you or something. Yeah, he didn't do nothing. So I'm like, you know what? They say you gotta sit out the next year. I'm like, no, nah, I can't sit out. So I went back, the season went along, and then he eventually gave me my opportunity, man. We went to the tournament and I played. I didn't get MVP. So that was the first time I got my confidence. But what took me over the top, you know how um the team going to tours. You know, you go on your European tour. So that summer, going into my sophomore year, was our European tour. So we went overseas, and, man, I was about 25 a night over there. We played about eight games. And, man, my confidence was – my swag was like, man, this I'm ready. Can't like, wait to get back to the States. Yeah, I'm ready. Like, I'm like, we number one We number one in the country. We ranked number one in the country. My swag Had a is, crew. Y'all had a crew. We played Maryland. We played Maryland opening night. We beat Maryland. We used the UMass the second game of the season. Now, I'm going to tell you a funny story. So when I came in, Coach Patino told me I don't start freshman. That was a rule. He said, I don't start freshman. So opening night, my sophomore year, Ron Mercer in the start lineup. I know I'm from the crib. Now, y'all know I, I mean, you know, I ain't no hater. But I had to hate. After we lost UMass, I had to hate. I ain't going to lie. I went in the office like, Coach, you told me don't no freshman start. start. <laughs> Man, the man took Ron Mercer out the starting lineup, man. I felt bad, but I had to hate. <laughs> I had to hate, man. I was like, Coach. I have me. never known this, bro. <laughs> yeah, he said, hey, no freshman start. So I was like, look, man, I got Coach, you said no freshman. So he took Mercer out the starting lineup. And then after that, he told me, he said, look, I know you can score. I know you can do all these things. He said, I need you to sacrifice. He said, we're going to win us a championship. And you're going to reach all your goals. And I just kind of bought in as the season went along. I bought in. And man, we was unbelievable. We was 30, I think we finished 36 and two. We was winning about 25 points a game. Our stats looked crazy because we didn't play the last 10 minutes a game. And our practices was harder than the games. I'm not going to front. Like our practices used to be so hard, way more than the games. Dealing with Coach P every day in practice was harder than dealing with the game. We used to blow people out, man. This last seven, eight minutes, man, we sitting on the bench cracking jokes, man. That's how I'm, I mean, we was that good, man. I, we was talented, top to bottom. We had ten pros on that team that ended up making it to the NBA, and then the other guys was either they, them other guys were either McDonald's All Americans and, and or played overseas. You know what I'm saying? So they 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 all played professional basketball, all of us. So we were, we were just that good, but man, that's crazy. Like you asked me that, man. I was like, man, but it took those two times. That summer and the, the going overseas and playing kind of built my confidence and took my swag. And then you know what, 2D and Q? I was in the best shape of my life, if you guys know how Patino system was. I came to school 190. I left at 232. Like, I put 40 pounds on. Like, it was different. Like, I was in the best – I could do – I felt like I could do anything when, once I got there. I could run all day. 
we pressed all day. Like once I got that first year under my belt and learned Coach P, learned the things I could get away with, what I can't get away with. You know that learning how to kick it, still get up, get my schoolwork done. You know how we got to do. We got to figure out everything to get our moment together. So once I figured that out, man, it was hard for me to leave, man. I, I, that was one of the hardest decisions I've been having how, in my how life. How was it to, to to win it all? Like to you know we we you know them coaches come in there yeah. and they be like, man, I think we gonna have a good chance to compete for the title and all that stuff. But you actually went to college and got you one. Like how how was that to win it? Hey, let me tell you. So because. It was special with me because I, when we came out of school, which is a little different, Kevin Garnett kind of paid the way for you guys. Y'all came out of high school. But for me, it was about going to school, going to college, playing the NCAA tournament. That's kind of like what we were forward to. So, like, I was excited about, like, going to college. Like, we used to – me and Donovan used to argue and be like, who going to go to the better school? Like, that used to be the conversations at camp and all that. So, when I got to school – I was like, man, now we got a chance to play in a tournament, get a feel for that. My first year, I went to the final eight. I lost to Rasheed Wallace, Jerry Stackhouse. So I lost to a crew. So I was like, man, I couldn't wait. So one of it was unbelievable, man. It was like the best day I ever had. That's why it made it so hard because we was preseason favorite to do it again. We had everybody, all of you know, besides Tony and Walt, the whole core was coming back. And guess what? They went to the national championship game without me. So imagine if I still left. They lost in the championship game I and mean, then went the next year in 98. So, I mean, it's one of the best feelings in the world, man, to win the national championship. It's something that if you don't – and I'm sure you wish you would have went to college, D. You know how this is. I mean, I'm sure – I hear LeBron always talk about wish he would have went to college. Yeah, Mr. Experience, when you hear when you hear the fellas talk about the experience that they have in college and all that stuff, it's like, man, I miss you only it. Miss it. You only miss it doing March Madness, man. You only miss it during March Madness. That's the only time you miss it. But you know how it is. You got to make those decisions, the, the life decisions. But that's that was that was that was one of the special moments of my life. Straight up, yeah. straight. You said you uh you weren't gonna come out, and you decided to come out. But you decided to come out in the greatest draft ever. I argue that all the time, but go ahead. No, no, you don't got to argue it because we we telling you on Knucklehead, this is the greatest draft ever. Just the guys that was on that draft. Like, I remember that draft. remember being at, just getting to high school and just seeing just the star power. And just, then you just look back on it and just see the careers that all them guys had. Like, how was it? Well, I don't want to skip college, but how was it? Like, you know, being in that draft and being around that and that iconic slam photo of y'all all together. Like, that's one of my favorite slam photos of, like, y'all y'all standing yeah. together that draft. Man, I, I just take the history to it. Just, just one put, when I put my name in the draft, it was just hard. How many good small forwards? It's funny. We had a workout in Minnesota, and it was like they brought me, Sharif, John Wallace, Walter McCarty. Um, <laughs> they, brought, they brought all the wings in together. Like, and – Threw the ball in the middle and was like, y'all play one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. Like, Ooh. it wasn't no workout. It was one-on-one. -on -one. Like, I was like, man, this draft this draft was so heavy. Like, so many talented guys that do so many things. Like, you remember Dante Jones? He was tough. He was in there for Mississippi yeah. State. Like, Mississippi I mean, State, like, Dante yeah, Jones. Like, <laughs> and and that's what made it special, man. Like, made that draft special. I, I remember going through my draft process. I worked out from. Two to eleven, and 
that process was so hard, man. I never went to work out like that a day in my life, how hard we had to work out. Well, what was great about it is they brought guys up. Like, they brought guys together. Like, you conduct your workout. Yeah. Like, you know, this ain't, this ain't like the these the new age guys that work out by themselves and they just do drills. Now, you had to get in there and get grinding. Like, you had to go one-on-one. You had to play against guys. They wanted to see your toughness. And that's the one thing I remember. And then that draft, that we got to know each other for the first for one week. You know, you get out there early. Yeah, New York. Yeah, yeah. You get all your photos and you know everything. But I had just a lot of respect, man. Like for AI, Canby play Canby twice. So you know, I knew how good Canby was. Yeah, Brief I do Raheem and and Marbury, and I've been in camp with Marbury a lot of times. Ray Allen. So I've been around those guys a lot just through AU basketball and camp. So it it was a special moment. And to be able to get picked six through that through all those guys, yeah. just, think about it. Steve Nash and, and Kobe Bryant, two MVPs, two Hall of Famers. You know, think where they got drafted at. That's how deep that draft was. Yeah. I'm like, man, I was just happy to say I'm in a class where three, four Hall of Famers are gonna be in there, maybe five, couple MVPs. I mean, it just speaks volumes how great that class was. I thought I was always being biased. I would always argue, you know, I argue with guys all the time yeah. about that. People think I'm being biased, but I think the 96 class from top to bottom, even if you dig into that second round, it's guys that have productive NBA careers in that 96 draft. Did you think he was going to get drafted by Boston? Did you think it was going to be somebody else? You thought you was going somewhere else? Um, you know what? Boston had the ninth pick. So the day of the draft, they moved up to six to get me. And actually, I didn't think I was going to Boston. And because that was the easiest workout I had out of all of them. So I thought they didn't like me. But the crazy part about my workout, Red Allback, Dennis Johnson, Casey Jones, Larry Bird, Tommy Heinsohn, Bob Cousy, JoJo White, these are the guys that's in my workout. Like just there, you know what I mean? At that time, ML Carr was the head coach and GM of the team. So ML Carr was the head coach and GM. Then you had Casey Jones was the head assistant. Then you had Dennis Johnson, who was the, uh, was the second assistant. So you got to think of all these personalities, all these big names, Hall of Famers uh, working me out. And I actually worked out for 30, 40 minutes. And then they brought me in the room and just kind of asked me a bunch of questions about the game of basketball, about myself. So I didn't think that they, that, that was going to even be an option for me. You know what I mean? Just because I didn't work out long. Every other workout was two hours, two and a half hours. So I didn't think none of it. And the day of the draft, they traded Eric Montrose to Dallas and moved up to six. And my agent tapped me was like, man, you're going, to, you're going to Boston. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, really? It was like, yeah, you're going to Boston. So happened I wore a green suit that day. I had a, like, I had a green suit on and everything just kind of matched up. And the great thing about me going to Boston was that I came in and started. I started all 82 games and I came in and got an opportunity to play big minutes. So that was big for a rookie. You know what I mean? It was like a few of us playing those type of minutes. Me, AI, Ray Allen, uh, Stephon Marbury. Only the top five or six of us was playing those type of minutes early on in the season. Tell me how it is. Well, how was it? Because, I mean, just like you, we, we as kids, we sit at home and watch every NBA draft and dream to get drafted and stuff like that. How, 
How was that experience for you being able to be invited to the green room and you got a chance to walk across that stage and, and shake Mr. You know, God bless his soul, Mr. David Stern. You got to shake his hand and have that moment that everybody as a, you know, when you growing up, that's, that's, that's like a symbol. Like that's one of the, the symbols that are of success or you made it. Like how was that moment for you? Man, the, the best moment in the world. I still remember them, them days to right now today, like it was yesterday. I remember the phone call, the letter saying, "Come, you invited to the draft. You can only bring people." And I'm sitting there with my mom trying to pick out the ten people. You know what I mean? You, yeah, you know, on the real. Hey, and then it's so bad. I'm I'm dating a girl in college. I'm like, man, should I bring her? Do I need to bring her to the? Draft? You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm going through the whole process. Like, man. <laughs> yeah, for I'm, real. Just you know, just that whole process of who you're gonna bring to the draft was the first part, and then the whole week leading up to it. You know, just being there in New York with the other guys, I'm doing, you know, at this time, you're doing, like, flare tops, all the car signing. You're going to all the stores. You're doing all these things during the week, and you're hanging out with the guys. And I'm 19. I can't really kick it. I can't go to no club. I ain't drink back then, so I'm, I couldn't go to the club or nothing. I'm like, man, but this was it was a surreal moment to be able to take my family out there. And it's something, you, you know, I dreamed about. I mean, with my uncle, about, you know, I'm very close with my uncle. Mike, you know, the Irvins. I mean, we just, this is what we talked about. So, but you know, you feel official once you get that letter. Then you invite it. Once you get that letter and your agent call you and like, look, we going to New York. Now you like, okay, this is real. Yeah, this is real now. I've, I've been to two drafts. I went to my draft and I, I sat at Nazi's draft with him. So I know, and, um, and that was one of the special moments too, when he asked me to be one of his 10 to sit at his draft. So it's like, I know how that moment feels. What was your thoughts to hear that your college coach finna be your your NBA <laughs> coach your second year in the league? You know what, D? I ain't gonna lie. I was, I was excited, man. You know why? Because I knew what to expect. I knew it was gonna be my show. Yeah, you you, know I mean? you already coming off all rookie team anyway. It yeah. wasn't about to do nothing but get you better. <laughs> Yo, so I'm like, man, this is beautiful. Now, only thing that blew me, is that he was when he called me? He was like, "Man, we want to. I want to press." I'm like, "I'm one year in now." I'm like, "Coach, you can't press in no NBA." <laughs> man, but he wanted to press. But I was excited, man, and and it worked out great. That was one of my best years. I made my All Star team, my second year in the league, up on them. The offense was ran through me. Everything was ran through me. It was beautiful. And then to follow it up even better, he the GM and the head coach. So next year, he, he give me my max contract. No head. I ain't had to. Hey, I ain't had to do no negotiating, no debate. <laughs> he gonna so take care him. of me. Don't worry about. It. He gonna take care of me. Because <laughs> you know, like in the crazy, in the, we talked when you was talking earlier. But the thing was, Coach P was a big part of helping me pick my people, and this is where all of us connect that too. That people don't know about. That all three of us connect that. We all with the same firm, the agent, same agent firm. See, people don't know that that we all with the same firm. So. When I came out, coach was like, look, I believe you got an opportunity to be a big-time player, so we need big-time agents. So he brought three of them in. You know, I know, obviously, David Falk. At that time, they were called Fame. You know, I ended up going with Mike Higgins. You guys went with Jeff, right? I saw Jeff in your draft picture. He got – it's like he's sitting at the, at the behind the one of the press things. He said, I always mess with him about that, that he's sitting there at the thing. Yeah, so you got to think. So Jeff was there, so coach was like, "Help!" he helped me pick them. He helped me do all the process. I stayed in Kentucky. You know, all these guys leave and go work out in L.A. and all this. I stayed in Kentucky all the way 
until two weeks before the draft. I never left. So I, he was there every day in my workouts, pushing me, doing individual instruction. So it was easy, man. So when he came, I thought it was going to be the best thing in the world, man. But I'm going to be honest. I love Coach P. We're good friends now to this day. He's been great for me all my life. But Coach P could not take losing, man. Man, we traded Chauncey Billups after 40 games, man. I used to play Chauncey Billups after 40 games. And we drafted him third in the draft. So he just was impatient. You know what I mean? He couldn't take it. When you go from winning 80% of your games and you get to the league and you got to rebuild, he, he ain't had the patience for it. It just – he couldn't take it. And he was the GM too. Now, I played in two years. He was there two and a half years. I probably played with 50 dudes, man. So you got to imagine that. Y'all know how this goes. Yeah, that's crazy. Man, a man traded everybody. He assigned somebody to trade him. Signed somebody to trade him. So it was just hard on him. But he, I love the fact that he got there. And it paid out for me. He took care of me in the visit. I can't be mad. Now you start to get really get some helps. They draft Paul Pierce. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Y'all start getting the identity. Y'all start making the playoffs. Like, how was it when when you got Paul Pierce and you, you see that, oh, shit, I got a boy with me, like, it, we finna do some shit. Like, how was that? And, like, I used to love y'all team because y'all had people like Walter and Eric Williams. and We love Walter. Like, like y'all, used, <laughs> y'all used to have the, the, the best compliment players. And when I understood why y'all was making the playoffs and y'all was winning games. Then, so, but when y'all got Paul and all that stuff, like, now y'all a tandem now. Now you, it ain't all about you. And, and you don't got to do everything. You got somebody that you can depend on. And then I used to hear that used to always just encourage and encourage the shit out of Paul Pierce to be better. Yeah, you know what's the crazy part about that? I was so excited. But y'all know Paul fell in the draft. Like, Paul was supposed to be like a free pick. And he fell to 10. Like, he fell in our lap. So, when Paul came in, Paul had a little, you know, Paul had a little grudge on the show. He, you know, he was by none. So, I'm like, you know, y'all know I'm from Chicago. So, I'm like, man, this is the type of dude I need. He he cocky. He don't care. He like, man, he like, listen, man, I done fell in the draft. I'm here to prove everybody wrong. He So he had a swag about himself. He was ready to, he was ready to be damaging. Once I saw that in him and still didn't, because my thing was like, man, we just want to get to be in a playoff team. You know how you hear all the people talk about championships. Oh, we got to get back to just being a playoff team. And once Paul got in there, started establishing himself rookie year, and it was messed up because it was a lockout year too. So you really didn't get a chance to see the full glimpse. But once that two thousand man started to hit, I started to see it, bro. He he backed down from nobody. That pull up game was fierce from seventeen feet. He can get to the basket when he want to. He didn't mind guarding the best players on the other team. He took pride in guarding the best players. But then his work ethic was was impeccable. And then I started offensively, you know, you started to look at a certain guy's game. I'm like, man, Paul gets to the free throw line. Like, you know what I'm saying? He started, you know, I'm like, man. So I started deferring to him, like, bro, you can get to the line. It's fourth quarter. We need, you know how it is back in that day with hands. Like, you get to the line. They ain't giving me that call. You know what I'm saying? Then he, Paul had like a, people think he was out of shape, but Paul just had like one of those weird bodies. He didn't have no definition. So people thought he was like that. He just, but Paul was like in great shape. He can get to the line fourth quarter time. But man, he LA to LA tough. I'll be, you know, right now, you know, you see all the stuff on TV and all that, and he comparing himself. But I see it. Like people, if you don't know him and you ain't winning that ground with him every day, he believed he was the best player in the world. You couldn't tell him that he wasn't the best. 
And that's the way he played himself. And that's how he was able to have a lot of success. And you know what else was good? We could curse each other out. And um, you guys are best friends now, and I'm pretty sure y'all have had some wars. But we we can curse each other out, man. And the next day, we tight. We never had no grudges. I mean, off the court, we were great. We did so many things. We partied. We kicked it at each other's house. We had a great time off the court. But on the court, he allowed me to go at him. You know, he allowed me to, you know, if I felt like he wasn't playing at a, at a level that I thought he could play at, I could curse him out. And he didn't hold a grudge. And we didn't take it and not talk to each other for three, four, five days. No, we was right back tight, right after the game. That's what made our relationship special. We always had that much respect for each other when it came to basketball. Yeah, we the same way, man. I curse his ass out after every episode, and then we be back cool <laughs> five minutes later. You know, it's not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, let, not let me ask you. Man. Yeah, you know that. You know that. You seen it. Let, let me ask you this, though, bro. Like, because when you became, like, now you cyber twan. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got you on you on a cover of NBA Live. Like, as it's happening, like, how was that, like, from your perspective and your lens, how was this when all of this is happening? Like, you got the Max deal, you getting on Live, you know what I'm saying? You employee number eight for Adidas, you know what I'm saying? You people sleep on that. You really was the first big boy Adidas dude, even before, because you hit before Kobe and them hit. You know what I'm saying? Like, you first, second year, all-star, like, you already hitting while they were still finding their way. You already got it. So, how was that for you? It was a, it was a surreal moment for me because Adidas, when I came in, they kind of took the uh, new kids on the block type of thing. So it was like, you're going to be the new kid on the block. They kind of create this whole image behind me. And once they did that, that began a little swag. But I'm going to tell you, my rookie year, by after All-Star break my rookie year, once they kind of like, look, we're going to turn you loose, play you 40 minutes a night, you good to go. That's when my confidence grew, man. I just knew I could play in the league. I knew I could compete against these guys. People didn't know, but I was on AI ass for the rookie of the year. Like, we was, we was battling. We just – neither one of us won. So, it was about just really us getting numbers every night. So, once I started getting that confidence and, and, and playing at that high level – but I'm going to tell you this funny story. When I made the All-Star game in 98, that's when it really, like, it changed when I was in that locker room. And I don't think people understand, and you guys will understand more, you know, it was Michael Jordan, Reggie Miller, uh, Penny Hardaway, Tim Hardaway. Glenn Rice, Larry Bird was my coach. I was in New York City. Like, I was like, man, I'm here. And then the following year, it's funny you say that, I get to cover NBA Live. And it's crazy. I remember my agent calling me and was like, look, they're going to put you on the cover of this video game. And people back then, it wasn't a lot of money. It was like $50,000. I got paid like $50,000. But he was like, you're going to be on millions of millions of copies. You're going to be in everybody's home. And I ain't get it. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm 21 years. I'm like, man, 50,000, that ain't nothing. You know what I mean? At that time, like, that ain't, that ain't nothing. So he like, no, listen to me. This is going to change your life. So I ended up doing a cover. I ended up putting a little spandex suit, flying to Vancouver, did all the moves for the game, do that, did the whole thing, and, and that was it. Man, I started, to, I started to really feel myself in the situation like now. See, when you lead that All-Star game, even though I felt like Christian Layton did on the Olympic team at the All-Star game, I felt like him. But once I left the All-Star game, you feel like you can go back to your other guys. Like, man, I'm that dude. And I, I played with that confidence after that. It was easy. Even when Paul came, I embraced him on the team. And I, he knew he knew who team it was when he got there. You know what I'm saying? But I also knew how talented he was. I knew I needed to share the light with him. When we first got to the league, 
you know, we still in the era where you got to have a seven-footer at center and then you got to have a 6'10", big, strong motherfucker at power forward, call my long arms type of power <laughs> forward. But when I used to see you, like, you was the only person, you and Anthony Mason was the only two big motherfuckers that were dribbling the rock. Like when, you, when, when you got to that, and I know you, you know, you get the when we got to leave KGs the Duncan. I used to watch you play, mm-hmm. and your advantage. Then you always feel like you always had an advantage because you can move and you can dribble, and you weren't like the typical power forward. Yeah, you know what? I got to I got to give Coach Pete credit. I, I told you guys earlier when I came in the league, I was supposed to be a three man, and they played me strictly at the three. And you know that day at the three spot, man. So you got to be quick. You know, we we tall, so all that herky-jerky stuff sometimes ain't going to go on nobody, you know, 6'6". Six, six. So Coach Pete came in was like, man, I'm moving you to the power forward position. And I was like, man, at the t- first, at first, you know, obviously I don't want the bump and ground. Our power forward is different now. See, this is the thing. See, when I came in, it was Charles Oakley at the four, Anthony Mason, Grant, Dennis Rodman, Dale Davis, Antonio Davis, Carl Malone. Like, these are the power forwards, so I really don't want this action anyway. I don't want to have to guard them. So the coach was like, you're going to have such an advantage. Just listen to me. And this time, Chris Webber at the four, Juwan How. I mean, there's some the guys. So I'm like, he's like, you're going to have an advantage. He was like, look, on defense, learn how to front. He said, we're going to go back to college. You're going to have to learn how to front and learn how to use your elbows. I'm like, all right. So. All of a sudden, I moved to the, uh, the, the four, and man, listen, I'm at the three, one, four, pick and roll. Them big dudes trying to close out on me. <laughs> man, the flow just got big. I can shoot the three. I can take them off the dribble, make a play for somebody else. And that's what really took off when he moved me to the four my second year. And the good thing, too, and that's another reason that Coach P came, he knew my skill set. So, you know, a lot of coaches sometimes don't know your skill set. He knew my skill set. He knew I could pass. He knew how good I could handle the basketball. And he really gave me a unique opportunity to do that. And I'm going to tell you something, even to fast forward, the best career, the best season I ever had, the funnest season I ever had, I, you know, I've had great individual seasons. Man, playing for the Dallas Mavericks, man. Don Nelson utilized my skill level better than any coach, better than Coach Patino. I mean, I started at point guard about six games when Steve Nash was out. I mean, just, you know, 4-1 pick and roll with a point guard setting picks for us. You know what I mean? All these type of different plays and stuff that he had, you know, put together, just showcasing my skill set. So I was very fortunate enough that every coach I played for always knew how to utilize me and allow me to handle the basketball. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you just brought that up because, you know, especially in today's game, like you mentioned earlier, you, D, guys like you, we see see a lot of that. But – the thing that this is like, like D, you said earlier, like we, we, we love, this is one of the things I love about our show, cause like we said, we just had Tim Thomas on the other day. So it's like, y'all, y'all are too, but like, that's what I'm saying. Like when you think about what you see these dudes doing now, the 6, 11, 6, 10 dudes trying to handle the ball, trying to shoot threes, like you are the epitome of the beginning of that. Like you, like, you know what I'm saying? Like literally you telling me how you started games at the point. I know more than most because I've seen it not only in the league, but I've seen it at, some, at, the, uh, at home at the summer, every summer for so many years. So it's like, that's what I love about what we do. We get to bring you up here and, and, and say that and be like, nah, like, 
think back. If you really want to think back, like one of the first dudes, like I can remember one of the, one of my favorite quotes. I call it legendary quotes from Twan. It was like the dude asked you, "Yo, Antoine, the reporter, why you shoot so many threes? Because it ain't no fours. Yeah, like what you what you mean? Like who you talking to? And then I'm gonna still persist to do what I'm doing. You not phasing me, and I I always loved that, and I feel like. When they be talking, you know, we all watch the same stuff. Like we don't, we don't. I don't feel like you get your proper due for having that impact on these guys. Like when we talk to these guys, KD brought you up. You know what I'm saying? Like these dudes watch these the, the hoopers. No, you yeah. feel me? So it's like, and, and it's crazy, kid, to even add to that. When I was playing, I remember I used to be after the game, the media be like, I just shot eight threes in the game or nine. And they be like, man, why you shoot so many threes? I'm like, man, like you know, that's part of my game. They like. He used to criticize me, big articles of he don't want to post up, he don't want to be play inside, he don't want to do this. And I'm looking at these guys now today, I'm like, man, and D, I know you feel the same way. Man, I feel like shit, I'll probably make 300 million in this time, man. Oh my God. I'm definitely getting the two million, the 200 million dollar check. Oh yeah, that's a no-brainer right there. That's a no-brainer right there. These guys, these guys averaging 12 points making making a hundred. <laughs> man, man, I'll be looking at these guys like, man, I'll be like, man, if I could have played this era, I missed my beat. Man, you hear me? I'm a four man in this area. I'm a four. Killing it. Man, I'm like, I missed my beat in making this money. So I'm like, man, this is crazy. So I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, but I'm happy to see the game evolve. I mean, we took the centers out the game a little bit. Now, so I mean, it's unfortunate for a lot of the centers, but you know. But besides that, I love to see a game like this. I mean, I love to see Giannis bring that thing up the flow like he is. Flexing, you know, Draymond Green. Think about this, man. Draymond Green gonna be a Hall of Famer, man. Off that, off his skill set package. Yeah, being able to handle the basketball and make plays for others, and being a champion think, that many times. Yeah, so just think about that. Those guys that's doing that that could be effective. You even look at Dirk. You look at look at Kristaps Porzingis. You know what I'm saying? You look at Luka Donis, he was probably six, 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 seven. But you're saying guys now, that's pure point guards. Well, Magic was the guy that kind of was the only guy that did that. But then you came in, D, I came in, Lamar Odom. You know, guys that started to really handle the ball outside. So I love it. I love seeing the game where it's at right now. I still like the center aspect of the game, but I do love the, the fact that we got fours and threes and six, eight, six, nine that can make plays like guards. I was just telling Tim Thomas this. I was like, man, I remember when I came out, there was so much hype around me. And one of the things they used to always say was like, oh, man, he's 6'9", he can dribble. He the, he the first to do this. And I used to be like, nah, man, I seen Tim Thomas, Twan. I seen, like, Lamar right. Odom. Like, these are the guys when I seen y'all do it, it was like, man, I can be that. Or I can dribble like that. To, to even speak on that, who gave you the confidence to be this big dude and, and dribble? <laughs> man, it go back to the old days. It go back to our Chicago, man, when our Chicago legends and, and Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnson were my two favorite players. Y'all growing up in Chicago, you know, Isaiah Thomas is a name, you know, especially Catholic school. Got it always. Um, I remember number 11 used to be my number in elementary school. I mean, them the guys I implemented and wanted to be like was, was Magic Johnson and Isaiah Thomas. And I used to always just dribble all the time. Like, man, I used to well, dribble to keep the ball in my hand. And I just actually just grew. When I got to eighth grade, I got 6'4". And then by my end of my senior year, I'm 6'9". So I had huge growth spurts, but I always wanted to be that point guard. I was always tall. And it was like when you played 21 or something, you know, as you hooping, it was like, 
only way you gonna get the rock is if you out there dribbling with the <laughs> with the rest of them. So <laughs> I had to start dribbling if I wanted to get some action. Cause you know, as a big man, even on the on the hoop courts outside, they be like, hey, "Man, get your big ass under the goal." Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying. Do. And I just refused to do that, and I wanted to be with the guards and stuff. And it, you know, it worked out. And seeing guys like man. y'all making it come true for me in my eyes, like man, I see. Man, I wasn't fortunate as y'all, man. I, 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 I only got, I was short for a long time. I went, yeah, I was short and fat. Then I went, I thought I was on my way though, Twan. I went freshman to sophomore year, freshman, no, what was it? No, eighth grade to freshman year, I went 5'11", 6'2". Freshman to sophomore year, I went 6'2", 6'5". I'm like, I'm on my way. For sophomore to junior year, I'm still like, fuck my three inches at? Where they at? Where's that? I ain't, I thought I was about to be 6'8 this summer, nigga, it's over. Never really got, maybe got like, uh, it's debatable, but like I'm 6'5 uh, or 6'6, six, six, one of the two. <laughs> you don't know your actual height? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, with shoes on, I'm absolutely every bit of 6'6 six, six and three quarters. That was my official NBA height with shoes on. <laughs> you don't even know how to go. Our knuckleheads thing came from celebrations. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, didn't many people celebrate in the 90s or really celebrate period and you know you see uh you see reggie miller and them do the little michael jackson dance do the uh starting five you see mark jackson kind of do his thing but one of the things was like like your shimmy you know what i'm saying after you out there you working them folks you hitting them folks with that yeah <laughs> like i mean i did that shit when i was in school like <laughs> like you gotta give that and you know you see how they they celebrate these days, like I tell folks, I'm like, we weren't the first people to celebrate, but we was over celebrating more than any other people. And that shit was kind of, a lot of people was taking that shit as disrespectful. Like these That's young true. dudes out here, yeah. they, they dunking, running and shit. Like we took a lot of bows and knock your ass down <laughs> from celebrating yeah. back in that era. But now how you see, they just throwing up the threes and, and just doing their thing, like, man, and you one of the pioneers of that. You was one of the ones that I seen growing up doing that. Tell us about how you got the shimmy from. <laughs> <laughs> it came from college. It's, it's crazy. So y'all know in, in college, so all the guys on the team, we used to always, you know, you're in the dorm room, you're messing around. But we used to play around. We used to rap, do all type of things. But I used to always dance and mess around. So one day I just told the guy, I'm going to do it in the game. And y'all got to know, Chris Patino, one of the real, like, you know, disciplinarians, like he don't let you do nothing. So one day, one of the games, especially one of the games, I dunked on somebody. It just came out natural. But I was able to do it and get back in the press. So when the film session coach was like, what? He was like, but he's like, you got back in it. So I used to just dance in college. If you go back to all my college, but it wasn't, I was more polished in the league. But but I used to dance in college. I used to dunk on people and dance and shake in college. And it just carried on to the league. And it's crazy you say that, Des. I was in the league doing it. And I used to remember the Boston media used to be like, why are you, you know, why are you dance? Why are you doing that? You know, like it made it seem like it was disrespectful. But I didn't care. <laughs> it just can't. And it, and it got to a point where it just would come out natural. And we was on a big run. Or I done made a nice move on somebody. It just come out. I couldn't stop it. It was just part of my DNA after that. It was only one coach, only one coach I played for, and that was Don Nelson. When I got traded there, 
Don Nelson was like, hey, we don't do that shimmy. He was like, man, look, if you don't, hey, I don't want you doing that shimmy. And if you really look at any footage from me in Dallas, I never did it in Dallas. That was my only career that I never danced in Dallas. But everywhere else, it was on. But it just came a part of my DNA. It's just something I picked up from, from college, just messing around with the guys, and I just took it to the lead. And I'm thinking, now nah, I like it. I like when you guys had y'all thing, y'all hit y'all head. I even like Melo when he do the three on this thing. You know, he started that. Everybody else, not Steph, uh, Trey Young. That's a few guys got to call me and get permission to do this shit. <laughs> right, 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 right. They need, they, need, they, need, they need to put a call in to me and, and let me know. You know what I'm saying? And I let them do it. To leave Boston, like after you done put all them years in and like – all them them years that you done got close with Paul and you know y'all done built this and so forth on and you still got work in you. I couldn't believe it. Like man, they let Twan go. Like I don't see how they can replace it. And they didn't replace it. Like they, no. they the ones that once you left, it was like we down. Man, listen, man, I, I cried like a baby did. You you tell them, I was, I couldn't believe it, man. Like I was in my seventh year. We had finally turned the corner. We had started to be a consecutive playoff team. We probably was one piece away. Um, we ran to New Jersey net the two years. I mean, obviously, two years back-to-back. And New Jersey went to the finals. I mean, obviously, they didn't perform well. I mean, they just ran to the Lakers. But Jason Kidd was in his prime. You know, Kenyon Martin was a freak athletically. I mean, you know, they had a Kerry Kittles, Keith Van Horn. They were loaded. That, that was the team that we had to get past. We knew that. Um, we felt like we was a point guard away. And the team, the organization decided to bring in Danny Ainge. I'm going to keep it 100. They brought in Danny Ainge. And in this game, y'all know how this goes with certain executives. He just, I don't, I, Danny Ainge did not like me. For whatever reason, I, I, I couldn't, to this day, because I'm going to tell you a story, but to this day, I don't know why he don't like me. He did not like me. And he traded me right before the first game. And I was, I was sick because I thought we was on our way to do something special. And mm. the crazy part a year and a half later, I get an opportunity to come back. I was about to say that. You ended up coming yeah. back. Yeah, I come back to even a better team, a better situation, a better coach. So Doc Rivers, the coach, they was like one game over 500. I'm in Atlanta putting up 20 and 10, but we 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 losing like crazy. We ain't winning no game. So my agent like, look, you can go back to Boston. I know you don't really mess with names. You can go back there and maybe make the playoffs and enjoy the rest of the season. Or you can just stay, stay here and play the season out and be a free agent. I'm like, you know what? I'll go back. I'm like, cool, I'll go back. You know what I'm saying? Me and Paul were still close. I'm like, Gary Payton was on the team. Yeah. They was on the uh, I forgot GP was on the team. Uh, yeah. Uh, now he was with Jordan then. Yeah, you know, Doc Rivers, you know what I'm saying, was the head coach. So I'm like, man, I'll go back. I'll go back. We went 13 out of – we went 12 out of 13. We win the division. Through the process, Danny Ainge come holler at me like, look, man, don't beat me up in free agency. We, we got some good special here. I'm thinking I'm going to be there. I'm thinking I'm going to be there for another five or six. Man, we get the free agency, man. That man, they offered me a dollar. <laughs> That's a true story, man. This is, this is crazy. And people that know basketball can do their research. You can Google it. So the man that offered me a dollar, I'm like, okay. Um, I had to call the ownership. I said, look, man. I need to sign a trade in order for me to get a decent contract. Y'all going to do me like this? And the owners was like, you know what, Twan, we're going to make sure that Danny don't do this. They had to step in, man, and tell Danny Ainge to do a sign and trade. I think to this day, 
and you guys can Google it, I was a part of the biggest trade, signing trade in NBA history. 13 players to do a signing trade. That's how bad the man didn't want to take no money back. When y'all see those 13 players' names that's in that, in that signing trade, y'all going to laugh. That's going to be guys y'all never even heard of before. Y'all ain't remember they even played in the game. That's how bad it was, man. But to get back to the original question, that's how bad, that's how much I love Boston. I consider Boston my second home, man. Still to this day. It ain't number love. Even with Danny being there, the people in the front office haven't changed. The ownership group is still there. They took over two years before I left. They're still there. And they treat me like they treat me like I'm a part of the family. You know? So I, I have number I have none number love for the Celtics, man. That's 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 my second home. And the city of Boston. When I'm out there in public and just going to restaurants and just doing social things, man, they, they take good care of me. I know Miami Heat was hard on you, but man, to see you, you know, somebody that I worked out against every summer and, and, and tested my game against to win a championship, I was so happy and proud for like you and GP and you know what I'm saying? Like them players, Everybody. I just looked like y'all was a crew. That was one of the best times and the craziest times of my life. Um, I'll never pass it up for anything in the world. But the beginning part of it was one just to get there. I remember um, my agent, I mean, Pat Riley called me and said, hey, look, I need you to call Shaq. Now, imagine y'all, y'all know, I know Shaq, obviously, the player, but he ain't my guy. So he like, man, call Shaq. You got to tell Shaq that he got to take a pay cut. So I'm like, why well, I got to tell him? He like, look, tell him you coming. Tell him you're going to take a pay cut. You coming to play, and he'll, he'll, you know, he'll probably do it because this is how bad Shaq want to win another title. So I go there. I, I called Shaq, like, man, big fella, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to come aboard, but, you know, you got to do something. So Shaq could have signed a three-year, $90 million deal, I think it was, like three years and a million. Instead, he took five years, $100 million. So basically, he added two years. Oh. Yeah. That yeah. was a that was love. So Shaq took that. Did the math real fast right there. The math right, so, real fast. Go ahead. So to fit me into the cap. So, you know what I'm saying? So Shaq did what he had to do to fit me in the cap, which was great. So I was excited about that. And then I get there. Not only Shaq and D-Wade there, Lonzo Morning there, GP there. Hold on, it get better. Posey, my dog Posey, Udonis Haslam, Jay Will. White chocolate. Delonte Wright was a, a, a rookie, young guy. Young guy was, was good. But I always tell people, that season was so amazing. I never partied and played basketball like that in my life. <laughs> I'm talking about this. Me, GP, Posey, UD. <laughs> Man, listen, not so much Shaq and D-Wade, but us four, yeah, man, we got it in. Hey, I remember, hold on, I remember you told me, I said, he was like, hey, D-Mai, I just need to be in shape for 20 minutes. That's all I'm getting. <laughs> I just need to be in shape for 20 minutes. Everything else going on itself. <laughs> so look, Stan Van Gundy was the head coach when I got there. So Stan bring me in. He's like, look, man, I can't run no plays for you. In the beginning, y'all gotta remember, I'm coming off 20 and 10, so you know, I'm still thinking, I'm put that thing in the hole. He's like, Look, we can't run no plays for you, I'm running everything for Shaq and D Wade. Everything I, I respect that, you know. What I mean, how can I argue that? That means you know, we're gonna run everything through Shaq and D Wade. He said, Look, but if you come off the bench, I'm gonna run everything for you. I said, Okay, coach. So I did it for the first 20 games. Everything come out was about 12, 13, something light. I ain't. But I ain't playing number 25 minutes a night. Man, I ain't never had this much energy in my life. Now, y'all know my background now. I used to lead the league in minutes. 
like top five in minutes and games played. So I'm good. I'm playing 25 minutes a night. in the best shape of my life. Man, my nightlife went to another level. Hey, I'm burning both ends of the candle. I'm good. Pat Riley took over. He was like, look, I play my money. I'm like, what the hell? He said, I play my money. He said, you start. He like, look, I'm going to start you. You're going to play the first six, seven minutes. I'm going to take you out early. I'm going to still give you your second unit, but you got to start. And I'm going to tell you why I started. He said I was the best entry passer on the team to get at the shack, and I spaced, and I spaced the floor with my three-point shooting. He like, look, so I just want – that's the only reason I'm going to start you. And he said, I'm going to take you out early, and I'm still going to give you your second unit look. I said, okay. And that's how we roll, man. We roll like that. But I ain't going to lie to you, man. That was the closest team outside my college team that I've ever been on in the NBA. Now, I've been close with players, but I've never been close with teams. Man, we had a saying. I think, I think you guys may have seen it 15 strong where we used to put all the stuff in the bucket. But, man, it never was a time on the road where you ain't see seven, eight guys, you know, at dinner and hanging. No matter what was going on, we only won 52 games. And I said that's, that's a little, but, you know, we supposed to won 60-plus that year. You know what I'm saying? We supposed to have 65 wins, number one seed. That wasn't us because we had too much stuff going on. We was doing all type of things. You know what I mean? So that wasn't that wasn't that wasn't the goal. We just knew when we got to the playoffs, we was gonna be able to beat anybody. Hey, but so, we was like, so, yeah. so tell me like, cause this is what people sleep on, right? And I had to tell somebody this on Twitter one day, cause they were, it was, you know how it'd be on Twitter, the social media back and forth. They were saying this, that, and the third. And I saw something, I was like, hold up, y'all sleep. <laughs> the year they won that championship. Walk Dog was the second leading scorer behind D Wade. No disrespect. I love Shaq to death, and that's the most dominant dude to ever play the game, in my opinion. And I that's the big dog, the OG. But like, this is a fact. This is a fact. Like, my dog did many clutch things and many big time moments, and he was the second guy that he was. Yeah, Shaq, the thing with Shaq, that was a tough series with Shaq. They had two good centers. They put Shaq in fact. Man, they had uh, Eric Gapier and um, Diop. Both of those guys put put Shaq in foul trouble early. For whatever reason, he was getting two fouls early. When you got two, three six. bodies to throw at him, it's two, three against one. Yeah, so it was tough for Shaq early on. So Alonzo played great. You know what I'm saying? I did my job. And you I mean, we don't, we didn't talk about this many a times. I heard you guys talk about D-Wade finals is one of the top five probably ever finals. Y'all know that. That 35 a night. He got a night was incredible. He became him. <laughs> yeah. That's when Flash became Flash. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, we, so, you know, that that finals was something special to be a, be a part of that. He he willed us to about two of those victories on his own. For Jeff, sure. Game three, game five, he, he put them games on his back. So we played with somebody that was special. So Shaq just had a lot of foul trouble. It wasn't the fact that people didn't understand that, but other guys stepped up. And that, that season was so crazy, man. I was more, like, I always tell people, like, man, when I played in the league, I said, man, one thing I'm always going to remember is that group I played with. I played with four Hall of Famers. D-Wade going to be a Hall of Famer one day. But, yeah, I think I played with Shaq, Lonzo Mourner, GP. To see Alonzo, man, and a lot of people don't talk about this, to see what he did that year to, to play, the medicine he was on. He had one kidney, 
I mean, the man was taking 80 pills a day, man. You know, we knew. You know me, Jeff. Yeah. We got. You know, we knew intimately. And, and like yeah. you say, he he saved y'all a few of them games. And I can remember yeah. talking to D. Wright and like D. Wright and D. Wade being like, when you know, when I got that, I used to be like, how how hard Zoe used to be on everybody. And like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he was, you know, this is years removed. And then D. Wade and D. Wright being like, now nah, I could understand where he was coming yeah. from, and you saying that made me think about it now. Like he didn't lost a kidney. Like he out here playing. He's yeah. only playing to win. He don't need no money. He didn't achieve all these accolades. Like he he wants to win. And he like D. Wright used to be like, bro. He tell big bro like, dog. That boy used to always tell us like we get the we get the tripping in the game. He be like, all right. He come in that thing like, all right, y'all fucking with my chip. Y'all fucking with my chip yeah. like. <laughs> Like that's the that's the special part about it, man. Like I was like, man, to be a part of that with those guys to see how bad they wanted. You know, GP never had one. He got one. It was a special year. Then Shaq, obviously, with his little beef, obviously God rest Kobe. He was trying to get one on Kobe. Kobe was trying to get one on him. Y'all know they had that little beef going on. But it was like that that season was so intense. But I man, I've never had that much fun playing with guys and that bought into just winning the chip. And then we enjoyed Miami to the fullest, baby. We 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 enjoyed the, the, the Miami both ends of the floor, baby. I ain't gonna lie to you. They have nice, they, nice, they have nice, they have nice, they have nice amenities. <laughs> <laughs> and man, and everything is true, man. I ain't gonna everything is true. Pat Riley works the heck out. You're gonna practice four hours. You're gonna, uh, you're gonna get gonna it in. You're gonna do body fat every every week. But that was the best thing, man. I was in the best shape of my life down there playing. And enjoyed every minute of it. It got me a championship out of it. I never forget it. When they brought me into Memphis, they was releasing you and they were signing me. And that's the thing. D followed me up in Memphis, took my job in Memphis. He didn't let me, and then the man took my job in Charlotte. So look. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, tell you that story, did So I'm in Charlotte, right? I'm trying to get back in the league. This is the time I'm out the league. I'm trying to get a job. So Nazi on the team, Nas like, man, Coach uh, Larry Brown for to have a guys down for a couple weeks workout. I fly down, BD, we down there playing every day. We hooping. I'm, I done got back in some decent shape. I'm, playing, <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking I'm playing good, right? Man, I go to my meeting. I go to the meeting with Larry Brown. Like, man, Coach, uh, man, I'm like, just bring me to camp. He like, you play well. I like you. But I think I'm going to go a little young. I'm going to bring D. Miles in. I said, I'm going to bring D. Miles to camp. I said, man, I can't get past this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm out there lurking, think, for, think, I'm lurking for jobs, too. Hey, tell me this, though. Tell me this, though. You, you more than either of us, have had like a front row and a more personable relationship with MJ. Tell me how you felt about sitting there watching the last dance from from what you know, like you say, you I can I remember looking at you in the dock, you know what I'm yeah. saying? 98 All-Star game, you and there, like look at what young walk dog in the building, you know what I'm saying? Like, how was it for you? Cause you they had so many different experiences hanging with them, being around them, and you really, you know, y'all partners like that. So how was that watching the last dance for you? Man, I'm a basketball junkie, so I was excited, man, like like any other fan, just to, to watch it and to see the behind-the-scenes footage. But for me, it just kind of let me know that everything that I was, the personal level that I was dealing with, how competitive he was, and I think sometimes we use that word as an understatement. People don't understand the word competitive. That Michael Jordan's name should be in the dictionary. I know, and you guys know this, how we used to go at it. We call each other, you know, every name in the book. 
um, how he challenged me every day. But for me, especially because I ain't know him at that time. So I, I knew him. I played against him. I wasn't, I wasn't in his inner circle. I wasn't from that 96, 98 teams. I wasn't on, I, I just played against him. So I wasn't in the circle. And you guys know how this go, man. In 2001, man, I'm riding in my car. Never forget it. I was, I'm riding in my car. And my phone rang. This is back then when you could call people private. You know, you answer private call back then. Michael Jordan, he like, man, um, I need you to come to the gym with me. I'm like, okay. He like, man, I'm thinking about making a comeback. Don't tell nobody. But he was like, look, I need you to come to the gym, and I need you to make sure all the guys come to the gym. We finna, I, I want to see if I can come back. I'm like, okay. Now, y'all know how this is, man. It's Michael Jordan that's called my phone, man. I, I, done, t- I done changed all vacation plans. Ain't no vacation. Ain't none of that going on. It's all about hooping. Now, I, done, I done called my mama like, I'm in the gym. With, with, I get there the first day with Lil Hill's gym. It's me and, me and him upstairs with Tim Grover. Now, at this time, I'm five years in. Y'all know how we do. We hoop every day. Yeah. We want to mess with no, you know, we won't mess with no weights like that. You know, we'll do something a little bit, but we want to mess with no weights. I go up top with Tim Grover. We lifting weights. I'm doing whatever MJ doing. I'm like, man, that's crazy. So we got to lift weights four days a week. At this time, Tim Grover ain't my trainer. I ain't realize. I didn't even know he was my train until so I got that invoice at the end of the summer. That's the whole thing. Right, right. <laughs> 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 hey, boy, what the way? That's a whole other story. But I'm with that man. I'm working out with the man. And then it just happened, man. Our relationship just started to build. The way he pushed himself at 38, 39 to get himself back in shape, the way he competed every day. Y'all know this. Obviously, you guys were part of the runs just like I was, how we competed every day. Um, became special, but then, like you say, I got an opportunity to hang with him off the court. The man started inviting me to his home, um, around his family, doing social events. I traveled with the grand openings with him, restaurants, bar, whatever he had his hand on. I was invited, I was a part of the group, I was on the private plane, I was riding with him. So I got a chance to become a part of the crew, and um, you know, it was it's special to me. I, those six, seven years that I got a chance to be with him was, 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 was incredible. Prior to that, I thought he was the best player in the world. After watching the last dance, I realized more that he was the best player to ever play the game, no question. And it's just not the fact that I take away from the LeBron James, the Kobe Bryant, the Madison, and all those guys. I just believe it's nobody that wanted to win more than him that took it that way. I think Kobe a little bit had a passion like that. I think Magic did. But – even LeBron, and I love LeBron. LeBron's one of the one of the top players that will play the game. He in my top five. But I don't think their passion is at that level. You know what I mean? The way he wanted to keep the core of the team together, the way he motivated and pushed guys, not just the Scottie Pippins, to push the 10th, 11th, and 12th guy to be good. I mean, he did it in his own way. I mean, he did it, you know, he, he will verbally abuse you, and you have to be a man enough to take it. But the way he pushed everybody every day was was incredible. So I enjoyed that aspect of the documentary more than anything. And then it kind of like, you guys know, like, man, I'm glad to know that this really was his personality. And y'all know how he wanted to win in games of seven. So it just like I was like, man, this is the same dude. I get it. Like, I was like, all I kept saying is like, I get it. This him. Yeah. Hey, staying in that same vein, right? Just speak on how impactful, like, on your career and 
all of both of our all of us on here, like them runs at hoops with TG and like even like okay, when I first started, obviously it was with Mike and those guys was there, but even moving on forward past that, like how impactful were those summer sessions that we had of like literally just iron sharpening iron, the best of the best, people coming from all over. But even our even when it was just Chicago, we was it was the best of the best and it was enough. But we often had people from all over. But just talk about how those runs at Hoops with T G and all us, how that how that like just sent us back into the season. Yeah, right? I think I think it 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 shows us what type of players that we were. Myself, you, Darius, the way we pushed each other, talked trash. People didn't understand Chicago basketball. I know Michael makes the runs legendary when he comes, but they were already legendary. And people don't understand how competitive and every day you look forward to battling each other. And the beauty of it is that we can battle each other between the lines. And then that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we had the club. Tuesday, Tuesday, we had the buzz. We had the buzz. You already know I'm about to, I'm about to buzz you. And if I get you, I'm talking crap tonight (laughs) at the club. You already know. And and, and that's what made it special, how we pushed each other every day. And then people don't understand. It was probably 25, 30 pros. I'm not even talking about the European. Man. Of course. Yeah, I'm not talking There you go. The Euros having problems getting on the court some days. I'm not talking about the European professionals. I'm talking about just the pros. You got to think us three, Michael Finley, Juwan Howard, Tim Hardaway, Bobby Simmons. I mean, the the list goes on and on of all the guys. Eddie. They had all the Bulls players that wanted to come over and play. Like, it was just – it was incredible. So, people don't understand the runs. And that's what sometimes – now in Chicago, I get so disappointed in our young guys because I have so much respect for them, but I get so disappointed in them that they didn't keep the torch going that was built. The reason why I love Chicago basketball is because I was a ball boy watching Mark Aguirre, Kevin Duckworth, Terry Cummins, Ken Norman, Ricky Green. You know what I'm saying? I grew up watching those type of guys play. That, that's what made me want to do it. And I just, man, I think I thought we did a good job of showing them Chicago basketball being present every day playing just for me you know what i'm saying as a as a as a young boy like i just gotta salute you on being that example you know what I'm saying? not just you know you along with jawan y'all too mike finley y'all too y'all guys was like real examples for me a chicago kid you know what i'm saying who sat there i watched you literally got a chance to be right there as a freshman seeing you play against my cousin rico seeing you go to Kentucky, seeing you take these steps, go to the McDonald's game. And that's like when I'm sitting there like, all of these things are doable for me. You was a kid from the inner city, a kid that, you know what I'm saying, walked the same streets as me, took the same public transportation as me. So I just want to give you your flowers and salute you and thank you for being a, you know what I'm saying, from all, all, all aspects, you know what I'm saying, from the way you was with your crew. I wanted to be like that. Like you, you, you took your, you made everybody got to experience this. It wasn't a selfish thing. I felt like even with me, it, I didn't been in the club with you when you didn't. You know what I'm saying? Bought the whole club out for for however the next hour. Make sure everybody. But and I always looked at it like because you know some people they get it confused. They like oh, he been cut. Nah, I looked at it like because when I got in that position, I felt the same. I said I, I said now I can understand. I can identify with it. You want everybody else to have the same fun and the same joy you having. You wasn't selfish in that, like, all right, me and my, nah. It's saying, I want everybody to be able to experience this on some level. So I 
always take and I, I, I appreciate the like like D Mouse said, the battles against you, the the times we in the gym and we get to talk before, after we hoop and those gems that get dropped and the in the and the things that you, Jawan, Finn pass down, just talking and just seeing. Just seeing that example, just seeing how to do and how to be a pro and how to move. I appreciate you, bro. That's all I wanna just say as a Chicago boy that came up under you and watched and saw you take the league by storm and be you and represent us. Every time you was doing, I always had pride. Like, that's Chicago, boy. That's one of us. Like, you know what I mean? So, like, I appreciate you, bro. But let me tell you this, though, before y'all get me off here for 30 seconds. One thing y'all got to understand, too, and we all from Chicago, and it's been embedded in my blood from everywhere we take care of home. And we all, I feel like we all been through the wars and, and the battles together. That's why it's real easy for us to all, you know, come together as, as grown men now as we progress in our careers. But uh, I'm excited, man. I watch you guys show. I think you guys are doing a terrific job. But also for Chicago, man, you guys represent the city really well. I think sometimes people forget how strong Chicago basketball is. And you guys always make sure to reiterate that. And also keep the light to a lot of Chicago guys. You guys have had all the Chicago stars on there, from the women, women basketball players to the men. You know, I'm watching from, from afar always as a fan. So you guys have done a terrific job with ever kind of carrying the torch. And that's all I be wanting to do. Guys that carry the torch, that carry the torch for us. So I got that respect for the Mark Aguirre, the Isaiah Thomases of the world and what they did uh, for the city of Chicago. Hopefully, you know, myself, you guys, we feel like we hope we made some type of impact to help the younger generation come up. But y'all should know, man, y'all doing a good job. A lot of people are watching. You know, you may not get all of the response that you know to see it on the personal level, but a lot of people love y'all show, man, and watch what y'all doing because y'all keeping it real and, and giving real basketball perspectives that, that the fans like to hear. So keep it up, man. Oh, man, appreciate man, Appreciate that, G. Sir, keep it up. Players Tribute.com